You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ted, take me back to the moment you found out you're going to be inducted in the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame. What'd you think? Uh, at first, I, I didn't think it was real. I, I couldn't come to grips with the fact that the guy was telling me the truth. Now that you've had a chance to kind of absorb it, what do you think? What does it mean to you, Ted? I think it's it's going to grow in time. I, I think it's one of those things that is too big to to think about really for one person and uh, you think of all the, the great players that have come through here and, and uh, done great things and, and you're not one of those people you know? I mean, these are great idols and I'm just a scout I was very fired up about it though I mean uh, it surprised me I would also imagine, Ted, it's a time when you reflect on the people that have helped you along the way. Have you had some of those thoughts? Of course. Uh, there's so much involved in putting a team together. Uh, I, I don't think people have an appreciation for the, the hard work that, that it took to, for, for all my guys to to put the thing together so that I could come in and, 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 and make choices and make decisions. And um, I'm very grateful for that. The point of playing those clips wasn't just for effect. My intention is not to just get you in your feels, although I'm pretty deep in it right now. I just feel like everything that was said in those two questions embodies a lot of what's going on right now. The first question really is just a reminder about Ted and, and how great he is and, and a big part of what this game is about. I know I said I don't want to put do it, win it for Ted on the players, but really that's that's a big part of what this is about. But really the second part kind of ties it all together in that, and I don't mean any, dis, any disrespect to the other three teams, but and I also know that this is not necessarily how it works. The Packers have earned it. They've got some of the greatest people of all time. GMs, players, all of it, and they've been working at this forever, including Mike McCarthy, Ted Thompson, guys that aren't here anymore, Randall Cobb, that have put together some of the greatest teams that the NFL has seen. And, um, you know, all the people that have talked about wasted seasons and wasting Rodgers' career and all that, I, I think the general spirit of that is true insofar as they, they've they deserve this, and they've missed out. And look, again, statistically, there's nothing wrong with getting to the playoffs every year. That that in and of itself is hard enough, and there's no guarantees once you get in that you're going to win a Super Bowl, including this year. But there's no question who should be winning this. Aaron Rodgers has put in so much over the years. Ted Thompson has done such an amazing job of building teams 
and creating the, the most historically amazing franchise. I don't know how many times I've said my entire life the Packers have been a great team. And now Ted is gone. Roger's career is ending. You just feel things coming to a close, and you've got Tampa, who, I mean, just last year they were a joke. The Buffalo Bills, just last year, basically, they were a joke. Kansas City, obviously, is a talented team, but they're new to this, man. They were a joke forever, basically since the first Super Bowl <laughs> for that era. And then suddenly Pat Mahomes comes in, and they just start winning a bunch of Super Bowls? No. I don't know what happens after this. I don't know if this is the last time we, we get to experience this for a very long time or if we come right back next year and do it again. I just know that there, there just feels like there is an infinite amount more on the line. This isn't just a season. It's just a season for Kansas City. It might be more than just a season for Tom Brady himself, but the organization, give me a break. They've got a brand new coach and, and new every, I mean, from top to bottom, it's brand new. They're just starting to build this thing, and in fact, Tom Brady's just a placeholder for them to find their actual real quarterback that they go out and find and scout and bring in and develop. No disrespect to Mr. 700 Super Bowl Championship Tom. I'm sorry if you don't get another one. I'm pretty sure all your fingers are full anyways. Only got so many rings for fingers, dude. Fingers for rings. Rings for fingers? Nope. Not that. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't even know. I don't know what to say. I just, I really hope... For so many reasons, they're able to pull this off. Usually when I watch football, it's pretty straightforward. I want the Packers to win because I want the Packers to win. It's just it's just a lot bigger than that this year. And it's, it's so weird. I mean, it's killing me to think that the season could end, but not for me. It's so weird. Like, I, there's this heartbroken feeling that I feel about the season ending that really doesn't involve... I, 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 and I'm not trying to be some kind of special super nice guy. I'm 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 not that nice. I know what I am. I'm I don't need to puff myself up. I'm not trying to impress anybody. People that are here are here for a reason. I'm already married, so we're good there. I don't really care. I'm just trying to explain to you because I have a feeling a lot of other people feel the same way and and part of what I want to do is to articulate the way that I think a lot of us feel. This has gone beyond us. This has gone beyond our fandom. This is it, I don't know. I don't know exactly what this is. I can, listen, I, I, I don't, I'll survive. I mean, the season's going to end. I'm excited to start off-season stuff. The podcast goes on. The draft, I love the draft. I, I can, I can handle that. I don't, I don't want to have to see the look on Aaron Rodgers' face after a loss. I don't want to see Tremont Williams walk off the field for the last time having lost. I don't want to see Mercedes Lewis realize the last game he's ever going to play is this game and it's a loss. I don't want to have to see all the other players feel like they let Ted Thompson down, feel like they let David Bakhtiari down. Tampa Bay is a good football team, and there's no question this feels like fate. It feels like destiny that the Packers are going to win the Super Bowl, and, and man, I don't know if there will ever be a season that tops this one if they do. With everything that we've been through, from coronavirus to political stuff, which in in a weird way, it's like, you know, obviously we're not supposed to like each other, but at the same time, we've been through it together. Regardless of what side of the line we're on, it's it's been borderline traumatizing to the passing of Ted, the passing of so many different Packers over the last few years. 
and the, the even the good things, not all just bad things, the good things, the, the historic rise of everybody, it's going to make it all the more hard if they if they fail. I don't know. I, I, I don't really know how to articulate, uh, articulate it beyond that. I'm trying to explain exactly what's going on um, in hopes that you're all feeling it too so that, that you're kind of understanding what I'm saying because I don't know if I can explain it any better than this, but it just it feels like it has to be. Usually in, in this position, it's, man, it's pretty unlikely, but gee, golly, it'd be great if it happened. I understand the statistics. I understand the odds. I mean, it, granted, it's basically one in four at this point, which is a lot better than usual. But they're not great that the Packers win the Super Bowl. But, man, it's not, gee, golly, it'd be great to win. It just it feels like they can't lose. They can't. And, again, I'm not trying to put that on them, but that would be... That's that's one of those times you look up to the heavens and say, why? How? How could you let that happen? That seems a little messed up. <laughs> so, anyways, now that I've uh, set unrealistic expectations for uh, not only the rest of this show, but for the rest of the day, let us continue on with uh, what is just sort of a normal podcast now. So, first of all, I don't have, obviously, any more information regarding the Green Bay Packers injuries because I already said it yesterday and everything we know we know. Um, I did, however, leave out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which I'm sure you figured out by now, but, uh, Antonio Brown is officially out. Also, the, the other big question mark here is, uh, Antoine Winfield, the safety. So Antoine Winfield is their number one safety. He is actually a rookie second round pick, which kind of goes to show where they're at with their safeties in terms of talent level. And again, I know I, I have gotten trashed in the past about, um, being biased. I'm, I'm just looking at the information. It's not known as a dominant safety group. But uh, safeties usually are on the field more than anybody else. Uh, Levante David, the linebacker, is the only guy that's been on the field more than Antoine Winfield in 2020. 1,169 total snaps for the season. Jordan Whitehead is the safety numero doso. After that, you're looking at Mike Edwards, Andrew Adams, and that's it. Mike Edwards has played 215 snaps so far this entire season. So whereas some teams you'll see, you know, probably maybe your predominant guy, and then, you know, it's, it's a little bit closer to having three safeties than two, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play a lot of two safeties, as evidenced by the fact that there's no other safety that's even close to the amount of snaps that the other two have. So if it is the case that Antoine Winfield does not play, um... That's going to leave you, obviously, a, I don't know if I should say less experienced because he's here in 2019, and he's played a similar amount of games, although he hasn't played in two years the same amount of snaps as Winfield has in one year. But it's another clear advantage for the Green Bay Packers. You know, again, we, we've talked about how, yes, the def- defensive front can be scary to some degree. They don't have as good a pass rusher as Aaron Donald or Khalil Mack or a lot of the other guys that we've faced and have done well against. And they don't have as good a corners as the Rams and who knows, maybe some other teams, I don't know, maybe it's the second best we face. I mean, it's a pretty big gap after that. It's not even really worth looking into. But Edwards is sort of a volatile guy. He actually is graded out as an 83.3 on 215 snaps. Is is not that small of a sample size. But um, he's got three modes, and this is kind of everybody, but I mean, it's very defined three modes. Really, really good, perfectly average, or straight up terrible. Right, so the first three games that he played, not the first three weeks, first three games, um, Denver, Green Bay, and Las Vegas, weeks three, six, and seven, 85, 81, and 97. 
Now, that's only on 13 snaps, but 97.6 is freakishly good. I think I talked about him a little bit yesterday because I remember talking about a 97.6, unless that's one of the things that got deleted. I don't know. He's got a whole bunch of, like, perfectly average, um, 60 against the Giants. He's got a 59.8 against Detroit, a 62.0 against Atlanta, 61.0 against New Orleans. Um, He's also got an 85, so continuing on with the really good. The 85 against New Orleans, uh, 91 in the wildcard game against Washington. And he's got some really, really terrible, a 43 against Carolina, 29 against Los Angeles. Yes, the Rams. I get so confused. There's two LAs and an LV now. A 40.2 against Atlanta. So, I mean, he's, he's got some freakishly good games, some kind of, I don't know, I guess he's there games, and some just this guy is garbage games. So it's hard to really delve into what's going to happen here other than to say clearly the Buccaneers would rather not have him starting. Um, he is primarily a free safety when he plays, although I think that is another thing that we as fans tend to overdefine, And maybe we don't do it as much anymore because it's been so blurred, but free safety, strong safety... I mean, in today's NFL, you're just you're just kind of a safety, and you got to do a little bit of everything. Granted, there's there's certain kind of uh, types. You know, there's the in the box safeties that that are like safety linebacker hybrids. You've got some, sort of the smaller, faster guys that you generally don't want to bring. You know, drift down, although they're going to be required to do it on occasion. You know, so you might have your prototypical types. You know, the really good tackling safeties that you think of as strong safeties, even though they're going to have to play back a lot. But um, if we were to put a label on him, it would probably be free safety. 154 of his snaps were at free safety, 30 as a slot, 26 in the box. So, I mean, it, it, it matters because it's one of those things where, you know, you probably saw that, that, you know, mic'd up from the game against the Rams. When Aaron Donald went out, Matt LaFleur was like, you know, kind of bird-dogging a little bit, you know? They're just, just like, ear per- ears perked up like, wait, wait, what? He's, he's not in? 99's not in? I want you to tell me every single time that he is not on the field. Do you understand me? That's more or less what he told the people upstairs. You tell me when he's not on the field. Why? That changes everything. And so I'm, I'm saying there's, there's a potential here that if he's on the field, that changes the dynamic, and they look at it and go, yeah, we might go in that direction. We might try to stretch the field a little bit. I don't know, but uh, it's, it's a thing. You know what? I, I think... I think I'm going to take a break here because I, I really just I, I really just want to launch into this and and I don't know how to navigate. I I, I don't care about any of this stuff. <laughs> I just I'm I'm over it, man. It's time to it's time to gear up. So we'll take a break here and um, we're just we're just gonna we're going all in and then we're gonna get out of here and watch the Packers dominate the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's what's gonna happen today. Um, as an update, just because it's still a thing. Jeremy has uh, started the process of taking out the funds for the uh, computer. However, apparently that takes several days, and while it's doing that, it's staying open. So you still have an opportunity. I'm asking you if you are planning on donating to please consider going over to GoFundMe. I know that there are some fees, whereas Venmo there is not. The point is, though, I, I technically have a partner in this known as a wife. I don't have the ability to say, guess what, all of the money I make goes where I decide. That's not how that works. Even though it's my podcast and all that stuff, that's just, that's not exactly how marriage works. However, slight loophole in the system, <laughs> if if you take money and say, this is my money, and I'm telling you that you are to use this for something like a computer, then it's out of my hands. I have to honor what it is you say. 
Do you get what I'm telling you right now? <laughs> I'm just saying, if you're planning on doing it, I'm not saying do it, just saying if you are already planning on doing it, consider going to the GoFundMe and putting it over there. It would be greatly appreciated. Um, I don't know exactly where I left off. However, thank you very much to the other anonymous donor as well as John Lambing for jumping in on the GoFundMe and helping to bump this up just a tad. Again, I've got the uh, the PC pretty well dialed in. It's just a matter of getting the funds sent over and um, scratching together a few extra dollars to get it sent here. So, anyways, we'll take a break, and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. By the way, I have had several people reach out about the hospital visit. Um, everything is, is basically okay. Um, the wife has been having some severe stomach pains since uh, the baby was born. Kind of sporadic, and it went away for a while. We thought it was good, and then it came back. Um, generally, it lasts about an hour, and then, you know, it goes away, and... And then we just say, yeah, we got to remember to call the doctor about that. This time it lasted seven hours. It started at 10 o'clock at night. She messaged me at like four o'clock in the morning. I guess that would be six hours. So I don't know exactly. Well, I mean, it lasted longer than seven hours because it was after we went to the doctor. But uh, clearly it got to the point where it was like, all right, this week we have to go again to the doctor. And uh, that's always frustrating because generally they don't know what to do. Last time we went to the emergency department, I had to sit in the car with my baby because apparently a baby is too dangerous for the hospital which is absurd. I work at a hospital. I would not be scared if somebody brought a, brought a baby in. 500,000 people walk in and out of those doors every day. Anyways, they, after a few hours of saying, I don't know, to go home, um, that, that's what happened. 
but uh, did get a couple scans in at least. They found a stone in her gallbladder and then later said, I don't think that's it, which I think is stupid, but whatever. Anyways, after sitting in my car for about seven hours, uh, you know, it was like, all right, we need to go. We'll call the doctor, have them send the scans over, and the doctor can figure out what the next steps are. But glad to see that we made some progress. She is feeling much better. Hopefully that doesn't happen again until we can get that figured out. It may require minor surgery, hopefully not. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the next steps are, but uh, so far everything is good, and I appreciate all the well wishes and all that stuff. Anyways, there was a question, and it was uh, eventually clarified. Garrett says, um, I guess I'm thinking the numbers are skewed, like you had mentioned when the media was talking up the Packers' number one offense, Rams' number one defense, when the number one ranking wasn't really representative of the Rams' performance the last few weeks. So what are we really looking at, I guess, is the question, and that's what I want to answer anyway. So great question, Garrett, because in a zoomed-out view, again, if we just do for the year, it's the number three offense against the number one offense, I guess it's just, I should say the number three Tampa Bay offense against the number 13 Packers defense, the number one offense against the number eight defense for Tampa. But again, that's a little bit skewed. In reality, though, both teams have been, as I've said, dominant down the stretch. But again, that's that's not, that's also not really real, right? Because it, it's, who did you do it against? So, for example, Tampa Bay's offense has been just about as dominant as the Packers since week 15, 31, 47, 44, 31, 30. That's impressive. The defense in that same stretch, in fact, you can go back a week, 14, 27, eh, the 27 isn't that good, 7, 27, 23, and 20. So the offense has been absolutely humming, basically since their bye, although again, only 26 against the Vikings. Defense has been fairly dominant with the exception of a couple 27s, which isn't terrible, but it's not great. I mean, a dominant performance is at least sub-24. Again, 24 is kind of that standard number, in my mind anyways, at least. But the question is, what does that mean in comparison to what these teams really are. For example, Tampa's defense has been very impressive intermittently. When you look at the Minnesota Vikings, they allowed um, 14 points. That's impressive kind of no matter what. In context, the Vikings are a team that um, in the second half of the year were scoring 27.4 points per game. So that's 13.4 points. We're talking almost two scores less than what the Vikings had been doing in the second half of the season. However, come to the Falcons game, um, 27 points, again, not the worst thing in the world, but it is a team, for example, if it was the Vikings, you would say, well, then they did a pretty average job. The Falcons, however, were scoring 21.9 points per game. The Buccaneers allowed 27. So now we're getting close to a score less than, uh, than average, 5.1 points. Then you got the Lions... Um, they only allowed seven points, but it's a team that was scoring 22.2 points per game. So obviously still very impressive. We're talking two scores, 15.2 points, better than average. Come back to the Falcons again, 21.9 points per game. They allowed 27 again, exact same thing. Then you come to Washington, 23 points. Well, that's pretty good, unless you consider the fact that Washington in the second half of the season was only scoring about 22. That's less than average. And then the Saints... They are scoring 30 on average, 30.7, they allowed 20. So it's it's intermittent. If you look at it in its entirety, you say, wow, that's a really good stretch. If you look at it in the context, you say there's really good games and there's kind of just average to not very good games. This is just Washington's defense. I'm sorry, the Tampa Bay's defense. I'm staring at the word Washington right now. 
the offense is a little bit more consistently dominant. Again, the Vikings game wasn't all that great. They scored uh, 26. The Vikings are giving up the second half of the season on average about 35 points a game. The Falcons, however, they were surprisingly giving up only about 24 points a game. The uh, Tampa Bay scored 31 and 44. Lions were giving up 35 points a game, which is a lot. Tampa Bay scored 47. And then you come to Washington and New Orleans, which are two very good defenses. Washington giving up about 18 points a game. They scored 31. The Saints giving up a little less than 16 points a game. They scored 30. So it's a good offense. You know, I wish I wish there was some embedded, you know, secret here. Again, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm not simply making stuff up to make the opponents look bad and, and whatever. It is what it is. And if there was some kind of... Uh, information saying that that it's a fluke that it's a fraud these teams aren't really that good then I would say it but the fact of the matter is the defense has been playing really well the offense has been playing well and, and I've been saying for a while there's a couple teams that have really been becoming very good recently it's primarily Tampa Buffalo and Green Bay those are the three teams that really stand out in terms of man it's really coming together for these teams and by the way same information for the Packers and we know that we've been over that a thousand times not going to do the math on it, but I mean, we do have, for example, Detroit allowed 24 points. Other than that, you've got Philadelphia 16, the Panthers 16, Titans 14, which again, remember the Titans were the number one offense in football at the time. I don't need to do the math on that. We can just simply look at it here. If I come over here, Tennessee Titans down the stretch offensively. I mean, we go all the way back to uh, week 11, 30, 45, 35, 31, 46, 14, 41 kind of jumps out at you, doesn't it? Now, granted, in the postseason, they scored 13 points against the Ravens. Fantastic effort by the Baltimore Ravens. But again, that that's what this is. This is two dominant football teams going head-to-head. I don't have any answers for you in terms of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers aren't that good. Again, I've gone over the players, and I, I, I will happily tell you the Packers are the better team because they are. Aaron Rodgers is the better quarterback. The Packers have the better offensive line. The Packers have a better wide receiver in Devontae. The Packers have a better running back in Aaron Jones as well as a better running back group. I do have to get that pop filter. Group. The Packers have better corners. The Packers have better safeties. Packers special teams are terrible. So is Tampa's. Defensive line, who's better? Well, I mean, they're much better at stopping the run than we are. Are they better at pass rush? Really? Are they? Have you seen the stat online that says that uh, the number one and number two pass rushers since week 10 are Rashawn Gary and Aaron Donald, and Rashawn is not second. Are we sure they're the better pass rush group? Got to stop saying group, or just stop looking directly at the microphone when I say group. The Packers are the better football team. It's in Green Bay. Yes, the weather is a factor. And by the way, there was a thought that I had, and I saw somebody else say this on Twitter, and as soon as they said it, it was like, ah, I should have said it first. Um, small account. Nobody else saw it. I do think, because people are kind of upset, like, man, it's not actually that cold. It's only 29. I actually think that it would be true to say there's a point of diminishing returns. If you look at 29 degrees, for people in Wisconsin, it's not that cold, right? In fact, it's kind of warm. Yesterday, I was sitting in the car. It was zero degrees. At one point, it was zero degrees. When we left for the hospital, I think it was two degrees. Um, And then there's a really weird thing where when the clouds all dissipate and the sun comes out, it is freezing because the clouds actually kind of trap in whatever heat is remaining and as soon as those clouds go away the heat just gets sucked up into the atmosphere and it is freezing cold so the clouds cleared the sun came out and it dropped to zero until eventually the sun got hot enough and it heated up to like a whopping 12 degrees or whatever 
Apparently the heat wave is coming. Now we're up to 29. Point is, though, zero degrees is friggin' cold. I don't care where you live, that's cold. 29 degrees, again, when we just experienced zero the day before, 29 is going to be like, dude, it's a pretty nice day out. The boys from Tampa, however, are not going to feel the same way. They're not going to experience 29 and say, eh, pretty nice. It's not going to happen. They're going to be freezing. And so I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I would almost argue that 29 is, is a bigger advantage than zero would be. And, and by the way, as much as we love snow and bad weather and all that stuff, I don't know how much that works exactly to our advantage. Um, one of the biggest weapons that the Packers have is that they're multidimensional, and I don't really want too many factors that are going to hurt Aaron Rodgers' ability to throw accurately. We know how important every single pass is. If he's a little bit off, if the if the you know if the ball is a little bit slippy slippery, if there's a couple drops because the the gripping isn't quite right, that's not exactly in our favor. Especially when you're the better team, you don't want factors that kind of eliminate part of your playbook. Maybe if you're not the better team, you want that. But if you are the better team, you want to be able to play your game in its entirety. And I think the Packers need to be able to do that. So I'm not really wishing for a lot of slippery sloppiness. I'm not ex exactly wishing it was 15 below to the point where it's so cold it really starts to affect the Packers. I mean, the the, the fact that it's in Green Bay, the home field advantage, the the, the crowd noise, and, and that's another factor. I, I tend to think it's going to be louder if it's a little bit warmer. Packer fans in 30-degree weather are going to be able to stomach it. They're going to be able to get up on their feet, jump around, and cheer. If it's zero degrees, a lot of Packer fans are going to be bumbled up Bernie style. Bundled up Bernie style. I ruined the Bernie joke by saying bumbled up. Although, I'll tell you what, you look at Bernie and tell me bumbled up doesn't fit, it fits. That dude is bumbled up big time. That is a perfect description of what what Bernie is. But, you 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 know, the, the, the home field advantage, the crowd noise, and, and the team's ability, I, I like the, I don't want a lot of wind. I don't want a lot of snow. I don't want rain. I don't want sloppiness. I don't want slipperiness. I want there to just be a crisp, cold day to where you can see the steam coming off their mouth. Otherwise, I want, it to, I want it to just be a December day. Aaron Rodgers doesn't lose in December. Everybody everybody keeps coming up with this nonsense. I don't think the cold's going to be that big of a factor. I think that's overrated. I th Dude, Aaron Rodgers doesn't lose when it gets cold. He just doesn't. That's just a thing that doesn't happen. I mean, we know, there, there's just a thing. It's kind of like when they wear the alternate uniforms and you just feel good because they tend to always Well, a big part of that is because the re they, they wear their alternate uniforms at home. It's not that the uniforms are magical. It's that they wear them when they're at home and the Packers don't lose at home. The fact that this is in Green Bay, it's, I know it's not December. Technically, it's January, but it's basically December. It's cold weather football in Lambeau. We just aren't used to January in Lambeau because January is usually somewhere else. It's in some stupid dome somewhere. This is a December game. Rodgers is an ace in this stuff. Zadarius and this, this group of pass rushers are going to be violently mobbing everybody. This team is fired up. One of the things I love about that story about the defense having to watch the NFC Championship game from last year is how emotional the def defense got about it. Because as I'm thinking about it, you know, a lot of stuff that I have to do at work, people take way too seriously, and it's kind of annoying, right? When people take work very seriously, it's like, dude, relax. Like, they're getting all rah-rah about paperwork and stuff. It's like, come on, man, shut up. Getting all dramatic. So I could see a situation where you have a coach trying to, like, infuse drama and, and suspense and anger and try to evoke certain things. 
and players kind of just being like, okay, dude, whatever. The fact that there's so much buy-in that these guys can't compose themselves for like 24, 48 hours. They're pacing back and forth, and they're angry, and they're even kind of sounding cheesy. You know, Rashawn Gary leaning into the camera saying, we're not done. That's kind of cheesy. But, but he bought into it. He's buying into the cheesy. And I love that. I love that there's so much buy-in with this team. They're so invested in this. It means so much to them. And it sounds like, well, of course, everybody. No, it's not everybody's that way. There's a lot of football players that are just kind of, eh. It's a big part of the reason a lot of teams just don't go anywhere because it's just a bunch of, a group of guys that are like, eh, this is stupid. I don't really like this. I don't want to be here. The Lions and the Bears are a pretty good example, despite whatever Jimmy Graham said about this team just cares about winning championships. Okay, talk to anybody that's left that team. Right, they're talking bad about their own team, trying to get Allen Robinson a contract. Yeah, all they care about is is their unity and buying in and winning championships. Maybe they care about winning championships, but that's a selfish endeavor if it's not about the team, and you're not going to win a championship without the whole group, and that includes your coaches and your GM and everybody else. These guys are invested, a hundred percent. They 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 they're buying in the emotion of it all, and that's that's important because this is such an emotional time for this team. The history of everything. The reason I played that clip in the beginning. This is, this is about history. This is a team that's been building for decades. I mean, we, we, we've been doing this a long time, man. We just have. I mean, you know, Ted Thompson talking about the amount of people it takes to, to build, and this has been such a long build. And I know there's already a Super Bowl champion uh, championship that we got out of this with, with Ted and with Rodgers and all that stuff. But there's just there's been so much. This is a team that doesn't turn over very much. They they invest in guys, and those guys put in the work, and they have a system, and they have a they have a culture, and they have a way of doing business. And they have been working and working and working at this. And for the first time in basically ever, we see a GM come in and say, "This is the year," and they start they start buying in. They're going out and picking up every available person that they can, no matter how much they can or can't contribute, and they're saying, you please come in here just on the off chance that somebody tweaks their shoulder and they can't play and then we need a guy and we just get in there. The Packers are unwilling to lose this season. The Packers players are, are 100% all in. I've talked about Rodgers again a thousand times. I mean, the guy, you know, there's no loss of perspective here. You worry about the younger guys. You don't have to worry about the older guys. Tom, Rodgers. Mercedes, but also you look at guys, I mean, you also got to wonder about the contractual situation. Aaron Jones, this might be his last year in Green Bay. For all we know, Aaron Jones is going to be a Jaguar next year. Kevin King, Preston Smith, Corey Lindsley, these guys might not be together next year. MVS may not be on the team next year. And so again, there's going to be a very, very minor but potential rebuild coming. And this is also coming at the heels of what is the the tail end, possibly, of Aaron Rodgers' career. I mean, maybe he plays until he's 45, 46 years old. Who knows? But even Rodgers doesn't know that. Gutekunst doesn't know that. They don't know what's going to happen. So there is a feeling of urgency for all of them and, and, and a sense of do it for Ted, do it for David, but also do it for each other. We may not be here. You know, the offensive coordinator, he may get hired away somewhere. For all we know, Mike Pettin's going to get hired away somewhere. I doubt it. But, you know, I mean, again, this is why it's so important because next year, for all we know, the Packers, they're a, they're a nine-win team. Maybe they limp into the playoffs and get annihilated. Football's weird, man. You just don't know. Things change. They change drastically from year to year. You just don't know. 
thought maybe the Vikings would be the biggest contender. Even halfway through the season, we weren't sure who the biggest contender in the NFC was. Turns out, I guess, maybe the Bears, but I, you know, I, I don't even know if we got full clarity on that. There's no guarantee we even win the division. It's pretty likely, considering how everything's falling apart. I would talk about Stafford if there wasn't a game today. But again, the point is they see it. It's not me sitting here saying, man, this is big. I hope the players see it. I hope the players care. They see it. They know, 100%. And so I, you know, I, I, just, I just am not even interested in going into the numbers anymore. I don't care about the numbers. It's a good football team. They're not good enough. That's the bottom line. Is Tampa good? Yes, they are. There's no little secrets hidden in here. There's no amount of injuries, right? They're healthy enough to dominate. But they're not good enough to beat the Packers. End of story. The, de- the, the defense isn't good enough to stop this offense. The Rams weren't. The offense isn't good enough to overcome this defense. Again, forget the statistics. Look at the players. Look at the, the, the individual people that are going to be on the field. The Packers have the best group. And for any time you look at, well, you know, who's the best at each position? It's half of that group is Packers. Offensive line has two Packers on it, Bakhtiari and Lindsley, out of 32 teams. Wide receiver is Devontae. Quarterback is Rodgers. Corner is Jair. It's just stupid. That shouldn't ever happen. This team is, is just too good. And it really just comes down to, again, the, the buy-in and, and the belief and the focus. This is in Green Bay. They're focused. They're ready. I don't know if I've seen the team this intense before, this focused before, this this driven, and, and that's a scary combination for any opponent against Green Bay. I mean, you look at the other teams, they're good football teams, but they don't have what the Packers have behind them. They don't have the firepower. They don't have the intensity. They don't have the why. They don't have the drive that the Packers do. It's not about talent. It's not just about talent. You take the fact that the Packers have the most talent and the biggest why, if you're not betting on the Packers to win the Super Bowl, you're doing it wrong. And by the way, everybody is. Packers are three-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. Kansas City is only two-and-a-half-point favorites over Buffalo. Depending on where you look, the Packers are the favorites or are just basically tied with the Chiefs for uh, favorites to win the Super Bowl. Whatever happens, get excited. Because I think whatever the Packers have, whatever they have in them, whatever potential that they have, I think you're going to see it today in a matter of hours. You're going to see it all. Every single thing that they have, everything that they have deep down inside of them in their bag of tricks, they're going to leave it all on the field. And um, the only final note I would say is regardless of the outcome, just try to remember what they've done for all of us. They put it out there for everybody, for all of us, for Ted, for themselves, and, and we're indebted to them for the season that we've enjoyed. So as upsetting as a loss would be, although I'm certainly not predicting that, Maybe just keep your phone tucked away somewhere until you can calm down. Because this is not a, not only a very good team, but of all the teams that are out there, they have probably more potential than most. Long-term potential. Everybody has to purge talent. Not everybody has Aaron Rodgers for a few more years. Not everybody has Zadarius locked up, Rashawn Carey, Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos, etc., 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 etc. Bakhtiari, Devontae. All right, that's <laughs> So I'm, I'm, I'm just going to cut it there because I don't have any other words, and I really just feel like this is too big of a moment to sit here and just dig through more statistics. So I will leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow for Victory Monday. Have a good one. Go Pack Go. Oh, yeah, yeah.